Welcome to Second Win, the podcast where we uncover the stories, methods, and modalities of women and men who have found their purpose while walking this earth. Sometimes they found their second win by accident, sometimes by hardship, and sometimes by intent. There is always something to learn from others and really isn't finding our own purpose what we are all looking for. I know I am. And that's why I'm hosting this very podcast. My name is Wendy Charles McGuire. Thank you for listening and let's get to it. Second Wind, it is my pleasure to introduce you today to a wonderful woman. We're doing this in person right beside me here, Linda Barber, a wife of 43 years, a sister with three brothers, and as she says, she was raised with the wolves, <laughs> a mother of two and a grandmother of four, three of which are living. Linda was a school teacher for 16 years of AP biology and anatomy, things I would have never taken, by the way, a researcher of agriculture for UGA, and is a Chinese herbalist and acupuncturist, which when you go from Western thinking and teaching to Eastern, it is a huge paradigm shift, and we're going to talk about that. But all of these experiences tie together for Linda's second wind. And Linda's second wind story is like no other. Some might say her second wind came when she wrote her book, 510 Candles, The Illuminations of Nora Lorraine. However, it really was the birth of Nora and her very short life that changed Linda's life forever. So welcome to the podcast, Linda. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Well, this is our third attempt to try to get this to work. And we are actually sitting in McGuire's pub, our Irish pub here in Sonoy, Georgia, early in the morning to get this done <laughs> before I have to work. But anyway, but we wanted to get this done. This is a really important story. So what I want to start with, Linda, is let's start with you know, you do the school thing, you meet your husband, life is good, you have your children, and pick it up as a young mother with a child that is constantly sick. Because okay. that's kind of how this all kind of snowballed, right? you say, from yeah, the beginning? Yeah, exactly. That's where it all started because I was always raised, you know, with thinking the doctor had so much knowledge and power, and I appreciated that, and I was very pro-medicine and believed in all of it and followed everything they said to the letter. And to Did your mother do what my mother did? I would ask her, like, hey, is this normal? Oh, ask your doctor, right? Ask the doctor. Well, that was, yeah, that's what everybody said. Uh, ask that's the what doctor. all the articles said, mm -hmm. you know. So I did that. My child was born, and he started having a lot of allergies very young, at like four months old, a lot of pneumonia, a lot of sinus infections, like asthma, and it just snowballed. And I took him to, you know, like a Harvard-educated allergist at one point. He did the shots. He, you know, we dusted his room frequently, took the carpet up, took books My out. God. Did all that. And um, <clears throat> he never... What a pain in the butt. It was a pain in the butt. And it never <laughs> helped. He just kept getting sick all the time. So when he was in second grade, he missed 31 days of school from all these allergies. and. They wanted to hold him back, mm. but he was a gifted kid, and so we appealed it, and they let him move on to third grade, but, I mean, I had reached the end of my rope with this illness, and we all had, so a friend of mine that I was teaching Sunday school with had taken her sons, both of them, to this alternative allergist on the north side of Atlanta, 
His name was Dr. Milton Freed, and he was, he didn't take insurance. He was totally different than any doctor we had been to. Well, back up a little bit, because this is like totally out of the realm of what you were doing. Oh, right? totally out of the realm of what I was and doing. And the only reason you did it was because you liked this lady, and she saw success. Right? Well, yeah, and I had a lot of faith in what she had to say. She said her two boys had just turned, made a complete turnaround. And that they benefited so much that she took herself. And she said, I feel so much better. She said, I think you need to, to take Clint to see this guy. And she talked me into doing it. And that was a big leap of faith because, you know, like I said, he didn't take insurance. Didn't we take insurance. paid out of the pocket. And it was a north side of Atlanta, which is, a you know, quite you a You have hall. to plan a whole day to do that. Yes, yeah. you did. Yeah. And so, but I did it. And I took him up there. And the first time he came into the office... He snapped a picture of Clint, and he talked for a minute, and then he said, the nurse knocked on the door. And she's like, Dr. Freed, you've got a call out here. We need you. And um, mm. I found out later that was his standard operating procedure with new just, patients. Just leave the new patients in the office yeah. by themselves. Right. And he handed me a magazine. It was the Journal of the AMA, the JAMA magazine. He said, leaf through this while I'm gone. So I did. And when he came back in, he's like, so did you look at the magazine? I said, well, I did. He said, what did you think? I said, well, there's, there's nothing but ads. There's it's, nothing to read. There's nothing. There's no articles. It's nothing but pharmaceutical ads. And he said, that's what I wanted you to see. He said, that's what medicine is about today in America. And, wow. and that is not the way I operate. And how many years ago was this, Linda? This was, well, Clint was in seven, so he just turned... He is actually 41 years old today, oh. so 35 years ago. Wow. About. And, he, you know, he essentially said, I'm not here to manage, to give him drugs to manage his allergies. That's not why you come to me. If you come to me for that, you might as well leave. Hmm. I'm here to cure his allergies. I'm going to find out why he's allergic. We're going to get to the root cause of this disease. Root cause. And I thought, What? Yeah. This is new and different, you know, but I was all on board. And after, you know, a series of tests and he gave him, you know, he found out that Clint was allergic to yeast was what the bottom line. He was allergic mm. to yeast. He had developed a yeast infection from all the antibiotics and all the steroids he'd taken over the years. So Dr. Freed treated the yeast infection and Clint was a different child within a week. He was Within a week. I mean, you had to change his diet. It wasn't that. We had to I mean, change, his diet. change his diet. We had to do a really strict diet for a month. And he had to take some nice statin. was the only pharmaceutical he took. And then he took a few different herbs. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the month, we were, I mean, he was, and it was obvious he no longer needed that special diet. It was really amazing. He was, wow. and he never got, he didn't miss a day of school for sickness until 10th grade. That's so amazing. It was amazing. I mean, allergies have, you know, really not been a big deal for him ever since. But but that was what started me down the alternative path. And and Dr. Freed was, you know, good about pointing out things like you need to shop on the outside aisles of the grocery right. store and, you know, talking about breeding the ingredients. And, you know, I grew up thinking cornflakes were healthy. Hell, they were corn, you know. Right, <laughs> right. But that was the beginning of the okay. of my, my shift in thinking. Were you skeptical when you started down that path? No. With him? No. You weren't? I wasn't. It kind of resonated with it me. It did. You know? Okay. And you had been studying, and you were a researcher, you were a teacher, and you were a researcher of Western medicine. 
Well, I was all on board with it. Yeah. And then you saw this. Is that when your start of the paradigm shift happened? You started shifting? Oh, yes, exactly. That's when I started thinking, this is, I like this looking for the root cause. Yeah. And the fact that Clint's illness had been exasperated so bad by that yeast allergy, which was caused by taking all these different drugs, then I started getting skeptical of drugs. You know, mm-hmm. what What are they doing? Right. Side effects that you don't even realize are a side effect. So then you started seeing Dr. Freed. Then I started seeing Dr. Freed, and I took my daughter to see Dr. Freed, and we all benefited a lot from it. All right, so lead us down the path. So at some point you say, I need to do more for acupuncture and stuff. How did that happen? How did I end up getting involved in being, yeah, becoming because an all your your kids went to so as we go down the timeline, mm-hmm. your kids go off to college and then you decide to quit your job, right? Uh-huh. Out of nowhere, <laughs> tell us a little bit about that. I don't know if it was out of nowhere. <laughs> well, I had well maybe to your husband it was well, out of nowhere, right? Yeah. I, he wasn't real happy about it, but I had been seeing Dr. Freed. I had seen him over the years for a number of different things, you know, blood pressure problems. I went to him for that. And then I had an autoimmune disease. I was diagnosed with it. And I had went to see him for that. It was called myasthenia gravis. And it was giving me a lot of trouble. So I went to see him for that. And he had helped me immeasurably with all these illnesses. And I went to see him one day and I was just so tired. Mm. You know, it was it's like getting out of bed today in the morning was the hardest thing I did all day. Whoa. And I would sleep in 10 hours at night and still not waking rested and wanting a nap in the middle of the day. I was just exhausted. And I told him that. I said, I'm just, I'm the You dog. said, no, you didn't tell him you were tired. You said, I'm tired. I'm dog tired. I'm dog tired. <laughs> and I was. I was so tired. And that's why they say it in eastern North Carolina, uh, where my husband's from. Anyway, he suggested acupuncture. He's like, oh, I think acupuncture would help you. And this was 2003. Okay. And, you know. So you didn't hear a lot about alternative medicine back then. Well, you sure didn't hear about yoga acupuncture Yoga was still kind of a right. tootie thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Chiropractors were on the fringe. Right. And I was like, yeah, right. You know, uh-huh. it'd be nice if I could go to China, but, you know. Right. I can't. And he says, oh, no, 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 no. I've hired an acupuncturist. And I was just like, whoa, you're kidding. You've hired an acupuncturist? Hmm. He said, oh, yeah, let me get him. So he calls him in, and Max is his name. It's his son, actually. And he had just, you know, he'd been to acupuncture school, and he came in, and he did all the things you do when you're diagnosing somebody from a Chinese perspective. He looked at my tongue. and The tongue. Took this my was interesting and, to me. Yeah, and he says, well... I do think I can help. Mm. He said, I really do. He said, do you want to come have a treatment? I was like, now? Now? Right now? Am I mentally prepared for this? Well, I was. I was like, wow, this is pretty cool. Oh, okay. I said, well, how much is it? You know, and he says, like, it's three quarters of a million dollars. I said, I'll pay it. (laughs) I really was like $140. No, if somebody's going to tell you you're going to feel better, like I told you, when you have Lyme disease, like I have come out of, if somebody says, I can put this needle in your eyeball and it will make you feel better. You're like, here's my here, eyeball. Here's my eye. Here, here's go my... for it. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the way I was. I was like, yeah, yeah, sure. I'll do it. You know, so exactly. I got a credit card. 
So I, you know, I followed him down the hall and got this acupuncture treatment. And I mean, it was life changing. I the left first treatment, the very first treatment. Why? I, Why was it life changing? Because I left that place with energy. Oh, I felt good, and I had energy, and I have had, you know, fatigue since, but not anywhere like that. Wow! And always, I can reverse it with acupuncture. I can That's get more so energy. Interesting. And I was so blown away. I thought this is the coolest medicine there could ever be. If you can just stick a couple of needles in me. And I can walk out feeling better without taking any pill and have it immediate. I mean, I left the office immediately feeling much, much better. So I was kind of fascinated with that whole medicine. And I stayed fascinated for a long time. And I found out what you had to do to get the degree in it, which a lot of people think is a six-week course, but it's not. It's a three-week. <laughs> you know, it's a, in the practice in America, you got to have a master's degree in it. And it's a three-and-a-half-year program. It's, wow. It's not easy. But I found out what I had to do, and I kept wanting to go, and I kept, you know, springing it up with my husband. And he was like, now's not the time, now's not the time, now's not the time. Now it's not the time. And finally, I said to him, is it ever going to be the time? He's like, probably right. not. And I said, all right. <laughs> probably not. I said, all right, man, I'm quitting this year, and I'm going. Well, that was right before the downturn in the economy, so it was a terrible time to go. Was 2007, 2008, right? Mm -hmm. I started in 2007 in the fall. And my, Just like when we started the restaurant. And I had two. What the heck? I know. Why but, not do it? Why not take a leap of faith and do it when things are at the very worst timing? But everything <laughs> turned out fine. Everything did. But your husband said it was like having three kids in college. Right. And my, both of my time. children were in college. And he's like, and then I got a third one. Besides, she needs to go to college too. <laughs> Quit her job and move 300 miles away from home and drive home every weekend when gas is $5 a gallon. So it was... There was some <laughs> sacrifice there. But you there said... I'm both the bar parts. But you, but you ate up every minute of it. I loved it. But you have that mind, too, the scientific, researching kind of mind. So, well, yeah. and I'm very curious about new things that I don't know anything about. So that was very, it was, it just fed my soul to go down yeah. there. I would wake myself up singing in the middle of the night when I first got there. I was just so deliriously happy to be learning this. That is medicine. so cool. I did. One time it was yodeling. Another time it was the Star Spangled Banner. It was always <laughs> That's exciting. <laughs> okay. Okay. So take us down the path now. Where in this is the issue with your mother that really starts the nonsense well, for you? My mother... Was it before acupuncture? Yes. School? Yeah. It was okay. before acupuncture. Before I ever had acupuncture. Oh, okay. Because this is an important element of your story. I think it was... Because I think this probably helped tip you in that direction also is... is what happened to your mom and how angry you were about it. Yeah, I was. I was very angry about it. And she died in 1998. Okay. She was, I'm limited in what I can say. Right. Okay. So we, yeah, we talked about this. So basically she had really high blood pressure, right? Mm -hmm. And what happened was what a lot of people don't realize what happened to your mother is what happens to, what did you, how many Americans? A hundred Five, also, well, in the year 2000, it was 106,000 a year died from the properly prescribed use of a pharmaceutical drug. And, and properly right administered dosage, and, and right. taken properly with doctor supervision and still 106,000 Americans died. 
Every year. Every year. It's one person every five minutes. Right. And she suffered cardiac arrest and was from the blood pressure medication, was from potassium, low potassium, but she was in a coma, actually a vegetative state for four months. Oh, my God. I didn't know that. Yeah. It was pretty bad. That's horrible. It was horrible. It was horrible. But you can't talk about it because of court lawyering up and all that stuff and non-disclosure, blah, blah, blah. Okay. But in the end, it was proven that it was the medication. Yes. Yes. Okay. So that also, I mean, anybody who, you know, my dad died of cancer and there was a moment there in time where they had missed what was going on. They Mm. had missed the actual cancer that probably killed them and were looking at other things. Mm. So you do, you get, you get kind of pissed. (laughs) And you think, well, maybe things would have been different if, and you know, what we've learned here in Second Wind is you can't focus in on the what ifs. Well, I mean, you, the thing is, there's a purpose for everything. Exactly. No how, I mean, in my beliefs, there's a purpose for everything, no matter how horrible it is. And you have to look for the best in it. Which is a great segue. It is a great segue. For now, segue. what we're doing and heading towards ah, and I, your granddaughter. Well, I felt as if I felt for a long time that that was... I mean, part of the reason I got into acupuncture in the first place was because of what happened with mom. Right. You know, and because it got me high blood pressure and all this health issues. I think that I was so angry that led to a lot of health issues. Oh, that the anger is what brought you to go see Dr. Fried and Max to begin with. Yeah. Not only were you bringing your son, but now you are seeing results of stress and, and the toxic emotions of anger yeah. in your own body and frustration and all that oh all yeah that. so yeah so and then I got so then I got into acupuncture and I opened my own clinic and I went you know I did, well I still work it a little bit but I was full-time for 10 years wow and I thought well that was the purpose you know think of all the people I helped yeah that was the purpose for this happening with mom you know yeah and I really felt like I had done what I was supposed to do you know and was like, okay, what now, you know? But I really felt like I had made a good change as a result of that bad event that happened to her. And that It wasn't I, in vain. And that I had helped, right, that her death was not in vain, that I had helped thousands of people. That's a kinda, good feeling. I felt like my work was done, you know? Oh, really? <laughs> okay. You're a grandmother, mm-hmm. right? And like me, and if, you're, if your grandchildren are close to you. Right. That can take some of your time away. Right. Very quickly. Right. Yeah. But, so you found yourself in that position. Well, but I also felt throughout my whole life that I needed to write a book. And I felt like it had to be later on, not, not in the beginning, but later on, I felt like it needed to be something about health. And maybe my experiences in acupuncture school, I mean, I had all these ideas. Right. You, you know? told me you always knew you wanted to write a book, but you just never knew what about? What about? Like I always told my family, I want to be really famous someday. How? I have no idea. Right. <laughs> right. That was it. I mean, all the t- all my life, I was like, what am I going to write about? And something funny would happen or something weird would happen. And I'd be, oh, could I write a book about this? But it never resonated. But it never resonated until Nora was born. Okay. So let's talk about that. Well, she is my third grandchild. <laughs> I knew. Yeah. This is tough. Okay. And she just, she had a bad 
Well, you were really excited. Your daughter was pregnant. I was her very first... excited. It was my, yeah, you know, my, it was my son had two children who were just fabulous, mm-hmm. <laughs> just fabulous, Jonas and Miriam. And um, but my daughter it was her first pregnancy of her first child. And we know when your daughter, it's like the daughter mother thing, and you know, yeah, you're tied very closely to your daughter, right? Because when they have a and baby. I, you know, I think it has something to do with your maternal DNA, you know. Probably being passed down directly from mother to daughter. So yeah. it's like this long maternal DNA line. And I was really fascinated by that. And I was, in, in, you know, researching her ancestry. Yeah, you actually went through, you got on Ancestry.com or one of those and you joined and, and you found all the ancestors, all these amazing women who did amazing, amazing things. things. Yeah. And you were framing, you framed all the names yeah. for her to put in her nursery. Yeah. It's really cool. I was so excited about her, but she had a terrible birth injury. And well, what happened? Well, Shannon was delayed in labor for like 19 hours. Mm. She wasn't, Nora was not coming out and Shannon's pelvis was too small. So this is important. We knew this going into this birthing process that there are large heads in this family. Right. And small little pelvis, your daughter's mm-hmm. tiny, tiny. So they knew it. And, and would you be willing to do a C-section? Your daughter was asked that before she even was ready to give birth. And she said, of course, which she, is kind of important. Right, right. Well, there's a, lot of, there's a lot of medical things that are really important in the story. Yeah. I think, though, what, what's most important is mistakes were made. Mm. There were mistakes made and... She ended up being delivered by C-section. Wedged. But at first they gave her Pitocin, right? They did in order to try to speed her up when she was which, already. Which was, was like red flags to you. It was the red mom flags sitting there. To you me. were like, wait a second. She was stuck in the pelvis. Yeah. And then they give her something to strengthen contractions and it, it just jams it. Jams it. So she was jammed in. It took them seven minutes to extract her once they got Shannon open. Because she was like jammed, wedged. wedged. Oh, my gosh. And she she was having a seizure when she was born. She wasn't breathing. So they hurried her off to a another hospital where they had a cooling blanket because you stay on a cooling blanket. I think this is, I mean, it still it's so, sounds awful. It's so miraculous, but it, they've actually found out about them by people who fell through the ice, you know, and were, mm. mm-hmm. they have, would be submerged for a long time and mm-hmm. not have brain damage and they realize it was the cool the cold mm-hmm. that was minimizing the cascade that happens when you have a brain injury so they wanted to put her on a cooling blanket cool her down to 92.3 degrees i think that's the right temperature mm-hmm. for three days so they had to whip her off you know really quick off to this other hospital and then while she was in there she tested her brain her birth what do they call that genetic panel that they do in the very on a newborn? Oh, I have no idea. Newborn screen. Yeah. Her newborn screen came back showing that she had tested positive for a genetic illness, one of the adrenoleukodystrophies. If you've ever seen the movie Lorenzo's Oil, he had a had one of the adrenoleukodystrophies. But they were like, Don't worry about it. Carriers always test positive and you know, gave us all sorts of reasons why she could, you know, she's metabolically impaired right now, being on the cooling blanket. That's, you know, we'll just repeat it. 
Okay. Which they did, but it still came back negative, and they were like, I'm po- positive for this adrenal leukodystrophy. They're like, no, you know, don't worry about it yet. We'll do a blood test. That'll give us a little more indication. So they sent off this blood test. Well, it came back, and it said this blood test is, this is pretty invalid. The blood inconclusive. work is inconclusive. The blood cells are all broken open, can give a false positive. Mm-hmm. But that's what they diagnosed her on with this disease called Zellweger's, which is one of the adrenal leukodystrophies. They said she has Zellweger's disease. But they gave her that title anyway? Yes. Interesting. Based on that blood test. Based on one thing. Based on one thing. And it's important to note that a carrier gives positive test too. Even if the test was not faulty. Okay. She could still have just been a carrier. But they diagnosed her with this disease and said, you know, she's not going to live six months. Take her home on hospice care. Don't do anything to try to save her life that's inhumane and send her home. This is what you're hearing. And your daughter, the first-time mother, I mean, she just gave birth. She can't even hold the baby. They won't even let you guys No, they weren't even going to see her until I just banged on them. I was like, let us at least look at her before you call her off to the other hospital. Lord. And they brought her in. You know, of course, she was all bandaged up and tubes everywhere, you know, on a ventilator, poor little thing. But we did get to see her touch her little hand through the, through that isolate she was in. But then they took her off and she spent three days on the cooling blanket and, and, um, you know, all hell broke loose with the diagnosis. And she ended up staying in ICU 35 days and then she came home. She lived to be 17 months, which almost 17 months, 510 days. And she did fairly well. But there was, it really drew attention to how people with rare diseases are treated and how somebody with a terminal illness is treated. It was interesting. You, you said to me, which is why we were like, I think you should name the book that instead. <laughs> it was, her name is Nora, damn it. Yeah. Because they referred to her as the Zellweger baby. Yeah. Yeah. Instead of little baby girl Nora. Right. And they just, I mean, I don't know. They just, she just was treated very poorly and nobody knew anything about the disease. It's very, very rare. But only, very few people were willing to even try to learn anything about the disease. You know, mm-hmm. if she had a symptom or something was going on that could have been attributed to the birth injury or a number of different things, you know, it's always, well, she does have the Zellweger. So it seems like once they came up with a diagnosis, every other factor got thrown out by the medical profession. They're like, okay, we don't even need to deal with that anymore. We don't need to test any other hypothesis or any other theories. Totally irrelevant. Okay. Let's not waste our time. Right. Right. And like the thing with the seizures. Okay. Oh, yeah. I mean... Share that. That's a little piece of it. I mean, there's so much more to the story. This book is phenomenal. I started reading it after we spoke the first time, and I sat there. I was in my kitchen, and I yelled out to my husband, this book is so good. (laughs) The details and how you write stuff, they're so, like, we're just giving you a basic outline. It's worth reading. I have so many pages dog-eared. It's worth reading, you know, what it was like for you and Shannon, the whole family, when, when you couldn't touch the baby and what they were telling you, it would hurt her. 
when really maybe it would have been the best thing for her. Like all these things that happened and, and whole, it was during Christmas and how you all had to travel back and forth and how your brother came in to help because you had another medical procedure to deal with and your brother, who was a pulmonologist, right? Or respiratory like respiratory therapist. Respiratory therapist was exactly who needed to be there to help her come home from the hospital mm -hmm. in order to have a Christmas celebration with her and her little cousins. Unbelievable. So, so it's worth reading because we're just briefly going over it. So seizures. The seizures. Well, there was some things that happened in the NICU that re related to seizures too, but I won't go there. I wanted to talk about this, what happened to her at home because she, she started on seizure medication and she started having really terrible seizures, like round the clock, every hour on the hour, oh my God. day and night. And we couldn't get it. It was COVID. I mean, everything was, you know, made oh, worse. Oh, it was during like, COVID. During COVID, yeah. And this was, this was like yes. during the, the shitstorm. The, the shitstorm. During the lockdown when she started having all these terrible seizures. And we made an appointment with a neurologist in town. This was in, you know, March. Of 2000. Of 2000. 2020. 2020. Right after when we were locked down and we made an appointment and we made the appointment like maybe two days before we got locked down. Mm. And then they called to say, okay, well, we can see you in June. Oh my God. And it was you March? Know, it was March. But she's having And we're seizures? having a baby with seizures around the every, corner, so. every hour? Yeah. How can you even, that's like. Oh, my God. Well, I mean, and that was like past her life expectancy even, you know, from oh what they were saying. So, so we ended up getting a, an appointment, a televisit with her neurologist in Tennessee because she was born in Tennessee and moved to Atlanta. So, yeah, important to note. Yeah. They right after they were, her daughter and son-in-law were able to move. And while they were waiting to get a house, they lived with you. So they you did. were... Right there. Right there. With front and center. Little Nora and your daughter. So important. Okay, that's and my son in law too. That's but yeah, <laughs> but that's huge right there. They, I mean, you weren't just the grandmother on the sidelines watching. You were living it. I was living it. Mm hmm So we got an appointment with her neurologist that she had seen in the NICU and televisit. And he was like, Well, you know, it's it's probably a disease progression. We need to double the seizure medication. Oh my word. And my daughter was like, no, 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 no. We want to come off the seizure medication. Really? We want to try to put her on CBD because we've heard a whole lot about CBD it. CBD oil. About so. it being really good for, for seizures. seizures. Well, apparently, you know, there's CBD. There's two types of CBDs that are FDA approved or two diseases that are FDA approved. Two diseases that C CBD can CBD, be yes. prescribed for. Can be prescribed for. Right. Legally. Neither one of her seizures fit into that, those categories. Now he's like, you know, he didn't know anything about it. She's like, well, can I get it over the counter? Well, you know, it's not standardized, so different. Oh, that's right. Different, you know, stores. It's not I mean, regulated. He gave us good information. You know, it's not regulated, so different stores could have different amounts. You know, different brands could be totally different. And so, no, I don't know how to tell you how to do it. But we eventually found a neurologist in South Carolina it's a pair of neurologists. It's, no, it's a pair. Of, it's two brothers, twin brothers, identical twin brothers. One's an internist, one's a neurologist, and they have a clinic oh, that's called so Brain cool. Restoration. They were awesome. And when you have an appointment with one of them, you see both. Nice. So they work together to try to 
you know, help you with your problem. And they told us, you know, what to do and how to do and where to get it. Oh, okay. Which was very important. So, so they agreed that that would be something worth trying. Right. And in the meantime, the neurologist from the NICU had told us how to wean her off. Of so the they listened to you at least. Right. Yeah, okay. they did. And, and it took six weeks to wean her off. And every day but, is a countdown, really. Right. Oh, my gosh. But but during the wean, you know, her seizures got progressively better. Better. And by the time she came off of it, they were totally gone. Wow. So you think about what would have happened had we doubled her medication because it was a disease progression. I firmly believe that all those seizures in the beginning were caused were caused by the birth injury. And they weren't they weren't that bad in the hospital. It was after we got home and put her on this one medication that they got so bad. So that was another nail in the coffin for me for Western medicine. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But, she, I mean, she never had a seizure again. And she had a lot of apnea episodes. You know, she would stop breathing and turn blue. And, I mean, one day she had like 30 of those. And we went to a, a classical homeopath. And she straightened her out. So that I stopped mean, happening. Yeah, that stopped happening. I mean, within three days. With, within three days. Without prescription medication. Without prescription medication. And so she, important And it was, she took it for three days and then was just... You know, didn't have to continue taking it for the rest of her life. She stopped. It was just like herbs and stuff? No, it was a homeopathic remedy. Like cures like, you know, Arnica. Is oh, a, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a whole um, slew of remedies. And there's a whole chapter in my book kind of explaining what they are. But they're really an, an enemy of the Western pharmaceutical people because they work. Mm-hmm. And they're cheap. They're easy to take. And right. they're curative. And they so work. And nobody's making money, money off of it. No. And that's the huge thing. And that's that's part of why you wrote the book, too. Well, it is because, you know, the whole 106 deaths that occurred in 2000, I can't imagine for the life of me that that's got, my number's gotten any better. Oh, I would think it's gotten worse. I would think so, too. And that includes a lot of things that, I mean, that excludes a lot of deaths that people aren't aware of what killed them. Right. Right. So I knew that the book needed to be about Nora. And I thought, you know, all of the things I've gone through in my life, what happened to mom? What happened to people? What happened to Clint? What happened to people I had seen, you know, over the years? What happened to me? How you got better. And, you know, the medication that, you know, like I took a blood pressure medication that gave me a terrible arrhythmia one time and somebody was going to give me a pacemaker over it. I mean, it was a long slew of things like that. that Yeah, you saw a doctor and like, oh, well, you know. We're probably going to have to give you a pacemaker because this is happening close to where my natural know, pacemaker originated. Oh and, my gosh! And had you listened, and had a, you would have had surgery. Well, I know I would have, but I, I did have a good doctor at the time who figured out it was the medication I had been taking for three years, which is what slips up a lot of people in realizing that's what did it. Yeah, you know. But I'm digressing. And if that all went into to shaping my point of view, of mm-hmm. course. Mm-hmm. But then I taught school and I taught, you know, biology, life sciences. And so I think I'm pretty good at simplifying complicated subjects. Mm-hmm. So I was able to simplify this complicated, her case so complicated. Oh, you were researching the crap out of it. Right. All hours. Well, just what happened was so complicated. Yeah. You know, it's hard to retell the story, but I did have, you know, experience 
taking complicated subjects and bringing them down where they're a little more easy to understand to somebody who's not heard it. So then I decided I would write, that's what I would write the book about. But you still didn't have a direction. Well. Right. And then Nora died. Then Nora died. And then you had this thing happen. And she, yeah, I had this thing happen. I had this, well, I was wrestling with several things, right? And one of them was, you know, what everybody wrestles with when somebody dies that they love. It's like, why did this happen? Right. Why did this have to be this way? Mm -hmm. And I was also, I knew I was going to write a book, but I thought, I, I don't know where to start. Right. How do I open, how do, where do I start this book? I can't write just, you know. Well, you don't want to write a book that's just going to. Well, and I wanted to write a first Make people cry the whole time. Right. I didn't want, it did not be, call it, like my friend calls it. It doesn't need to be a total snot slinger. Snot slinger. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I had to put some stuff in that was not so. Oh, it's no, so the way sad. the book flows is so good. It's so good. Well, thank you. But I couldn't figure out the first chapter. And mm -hmm. so. I was laying in the bed, one, it was one morning, and I wasn't quite awake yet, so I really don't know what to attribute this to. I don't know if it was a vision. What you do know? you call that state? It's like, oh, I should know. Like when, you're, when you're, you're in, but you're out. Yeah. I forgot what that's called, but that's where you were. That's where I was. You're in like that middle ground. Middle ground. Of consciousness, right? right. Yeah. Yeah. And I was, it was like I was transported to this room this is really important. So this is almost like a dream state you're in. It was like right? a dream state that I was in. And maybe it was all just a figment of my imagination. No, it's but I not. don't think it was. I mean, no, I don't think it, it was. It's so I descript. Think was, I think it was, and I don't think it was meant for it to be a theological statement. I think it was what I needed at the time, and God knew that's what I needed at the time. So share it, because it's know, such so, an extraordinary. Paint the picture for us. I was, I, I, I'm going to try not to cry. I was in no, this room. No, you can cry. It's okay. And it was a beautiful room. You know, it was like, 16 by 16 probably and like it was heart plank floors that were polished beautifully and you mm. know the room was just a real pale 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 green and one wall was totally open it looked out over the ocean mm. it was almost like you could dangle your feet out of, off the edge of that room and have your feet in the water it wow. was just you know it was just spectacular and there was a sofa in there and a chair and a fig tree and some you just find yourself standing in this room? I was sitting on the couch. You were sitting on the couch. Okay. I was sitting on the couch. And I, and it was so comfortable. You know, it was like, oh, I could live on this couch <laughs> for the rest of my life. And I felt this presence beside me. On the couch? On the couch. Okay. It kind of entered the room and I felt it. And it was like warm and light and very compassionate. And, and it kind of materialized. And I don't know how I knew it was Jesus, but I did. I mean, I don't remember it looking like the pictures of Jesus, you know, that you see painted. But I just knew it was him. Yeah. And he started talking to me about my life plan and what I was going to do when I came to earth, what lessons I needed to learn. And we talked about that. And I you know, told him, well, I think I'll, you know. I'd like to be an American. And I'm like, oh, for real? <laughs> in a middle-class family and blah, 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 you know. Oh, and, my gosh. Um, and then talked about the things that I would go wrong, you know. And I said, well, I, you know, I put up with going through this and put up with going through that. And I could, you know, I'd like for the whole theme of my life to be health. And, I mean, it was just a weird conversation. That's but it was so kind of like I was planning my life and where it was going to go. And he was kind of like, I think you need something more. 
But he I didn't, think you need something more. Yeah, but he okay. didn't really say what it was. I mean, and I don't, I didn't get the feeling that this was something they put on me. You know? Okay. I didn't never. I never had that feeling. Okay. But there was what appeared over in the corner of the room was like a giant crate, a big crate of all these little tennis ball, white size balls of light, and they were just vibrating and bouncing. Balls of light. Balls of light. Okay. Yeah, like little suns. Hmm. You know, and they had a really good feeling to them, you know, and, and this. But you got up off the couch and went over I there? I got up off the couch and I went over there. Did he tell you to go over there? He told me to go over there. He said, these are, these are old soul angels. These are angels that come to earth to help people. Everybody gets to pick one. Oh, wow. And so you get, you pick one of these and she'll help you with whatever it is you need. And T did call it she, I know that. So I went over there. Oh, really? And I'm feeling these little balls, you know, and some of them are too hot and some of them are too cold and some of them just don't feel right size. And, you know, I'm just picking them up and handling them and putting them back. And I finally picked up one that was just perfect. You know, it was the right temperature. It was the right size. It just felt really good to me. And I said, I think this is the one. And this little voice, this is what makes me cry. I know, I know, me too. (laughs) It makes me cry too. Says, oh, thank you, Grandma. Thank you for picking me. Oh, my God. So that's when I knew that. What happened then? Well, I, I was like, whoa. You know, I woke up. Or you I came woke out up. of the state. Okay. I came out of the state, and I thought, there it is. That's, there it is. That's why she had to die, and that's the, the first chapter of my book. And so I, or why she had to have the life that she had, not necessarily why she had to die, but why she had to go through what she went through. And so I went and I wrote it down as quick as I could, you know. I wrote down everything that I remembered. And, um, and then I just started writing, you know. It's like the faucet had been turned on. Yeah, and then I couldn't quit. I mean, I was compelled to write. I would wake up at 2 in the morning and think, I need to write this down. And I'd race really? out of bed and get there and I'd write for hours. Wow. And so, I mean, it, I, I wrote it in three or four months. It didn't take me that long to write once I got started. Now, doing all the editing took forever, but but yeah, that's the way that went down. And you Did know, you tell anybody about your treat? Well, I, I was the first chapter of the book. So I know, but in, when it, that um, happened at that moment? No, I didn't. You didn't? Uh-uh. I kind of right. kept it to myself until I got it written down, you know? Yeah. And then I sent it off to, I sent it off to some of my best friends, you know, and said, here, this, read this, tell me what you So said. you hadn't told anybody until you, until they read the book about the dream? Correct. I mean, wow. I wrote it down and sent it to my, the people I wanted to hear, wanted to hear the story, you know, my best so friends. So interesting. I don't know if I would have jumped up out of bed and been like, my husband would go, oh my God, you wouldn't believe what just happened. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Well, I mean, writing it down is sort of the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's yeah, communicating It's almost like story. you were, would you say you were keeping it to yourself? Because, I mean, that's so special. Yeah, it was pretty special. It was, you know, it was... It was, I and I had that. I had to have a little bit of time to process it before yes. I shared it too. You know, that's it's intense. It was intense, but I mean, so you believe that was Nora thanking you for picking her soul, yeah, to I, help you, yeah. And I, do you I feel that that's and I, is I, the case? I feel like she was an old soul angel, and she came to do what she needed to do, and then she said, "I'm out of here. I'm done it." Take me home. Enough. Enough is enough. Yeah, enough is enough. I mean, maybe that's my own way of making sense of this horrific tragedy. Right. I mean, 
It does serve that purpose for me. It does. Oh, yeah, <laughs> for sure. You know, it, it keeps it from eating me alive. But um, but I do think it's the truth, too. I really think that's, you know, she had a purpose. And that's why all this stuff happened to me throughout my life. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it all if you comes went into, together. Yeah, if you had gone into this whole thing with Nora Lorraine, you wouldn't have probably even noticed the red flags. You might not have noticed you might have just gone along with what the doctor said and never questioned. And she would have lived six months, like they said she was or even less. To, or yeah. less. But, I mean, I don't know if she had that disease or not. Yeah, that, I, the jury's I, still out on that the one, The jury for sure. is still out on that. And I tend to go with no, she didn't. Because and your daughter... My daughter's says she will go to her grave thinking she did not have that disease. But it also is not in their DNA. It's not in their DNA. They had they So had, how did she get it? They That's went, the thing. They went and had their DNA checked. Right. And, and they were doing like, you know, studies to do IVF to make sure they didn't have another child with these genes. And they were told they did not carry any genetic diseases. And then when so she said, well, wonder. look at this is what, you know, this other company found with our genetics. And they were like, yeah, we see that. But we don't think that's disease causing. Wow. It was like, a, you know, not a mutation, but a change in DNA that, you know, changes in DNA are not all bad. Right. And uh, they said, we don't think this is a, a disease causing change in this DNA. You don't carry any genetic diseases. You don't need to do IBF. And they were like, well, we are. You know, and then there's all the all the stuff that Shannon was, you know, going down the rabbit hole trying to find out what would cause a positive blood test like that. And, like, she would eat a jar of peanut butter a week. I mean, with a spoon, eat peanut butter. And eating peanut butter. While she was pregnant. While she was pregnant, while she was breastfeeding. And that's one of the things that can make that blood test come out positive. Besides just being a carrier, but so can eating peanut butter, a lot of peanut butter. That give is you a positive so result. So, you know, it's just like they gave her that diagnosis and there was no coming out from under it. There was no coming out for under it. And so there was no way to get any help for the HIE, the brain injury that she had. You know, it was just like, and whenever she did have a problem as well, you know, she does have Zellweger's. And she just, so, you know, there's so many things I think in my book that I call attention to, like how people with rare diseases are treated and how once you get a diagnosis, which, you know, a diagnosis is to get a code so they can bill. Yeah, and I've seen this in people I know. Or to do a standardized treatment protocol for, you know, and not, they don't treat the person. Exactly. And it's also becomes especially not not necessarily for a baby, but when you're older and you are diagnosed with something, you tend to embody it oh, and yeah. own it. And and then yeah, and take you identify with it. And I have I have some people I know who have Lyme and I'm like, hey guys, ding ding ding, here's some things I know will make you better. You gotta get off the meds. Mm-hmm. I know it's scary. I know you're told you can't. I'm telling you it's worth a try. Uh-huh. And it's been almost a year. And and some of them are relapsing. Some of them are dosing and pulsing and doing all the things they need to do with all these drugs. I'm like, why won't you try? I'll and it's better. because, and I can see how you, can do, you identify as the new you is this tired, sickly, hurting, everything hurts, your brain, uh-huh. light, things, you can't talk right. And you just identify with that. Yeah. And, 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 and the medical system 
It it just that just keeps it going. Well, yeah, they're trying to get customers. I <laughs> yes, it's true. It is so true. I mean, and it's so much better to say, "I had, I had Lyme disease, but I yeah, don't have I it don't." Now. Right. But yeah, the secondary gain, you know. But it's I get a work of faith. Get the sympathy. They get. It's a thing. Well, you get out of stuff. I didn't have to work for a while, but I couldn't. Either. Right, right. But I mean, some people like that. Well, oh, yeah. Good. I don't have yeah. to work. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's good. I'm getting some sympathy. It's true. You know, it's so, true. So. so where where do you see us going? What, what do you want people to take away from reading this book besides this? It's a truly amazing, as traumatic and tragic of a story it is, it is still a beautiful book. Well, it's you. a beautiful book. What would you like people to walk away with after they read this book? Well, I really would like to see a paradigm shift in the way people think about health and yeah. healing. And I really would like to, I mean... If I could snap my fingers and really do everything I wanted to have done with this book, I think, I mean, it has to start with a paradigm shift. Mm -hmm. But it would be, you know, we'd have, a, we'd have a healthier nation yeah. while at the same time drastically and dramatically reducing that 106,000 people who die, you know, from pharmaceutical plus, drugs. Plus, 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 106,000 plus, 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 yeah. And, and, you know, plus the ones that are just injured, you know, not, yeah. that not just die, but, I mean, dramatically reduce those numbers of people that are harmed by pharmaceutical drugs, but not take away from, you know, their health, their overall health. You don't want to have somebody, you know, not die because they took a pharmaceutical drug, but then again, they die from their heart arrhythmia. Right, right, right. You know, right. I mean, there's, you wanna, a, there's, a, there's a give and take there. There's, there's a give and take. Right. But, but we, you know, we need to be more health conscious as a nation. And I, so I'd like to see a paradigm shift in that direction, you know, where acupuncture and homeopathy and all these alternative medicines are not seen as woo-woo and not, you know, denigrated by the medical community. And, yeah, you're, and, well, and do, where it, doctors learn about it in med school. Was it, well, they barely learn about they it. They barely learn about but it. You, but you, and nutrition. They don't learn about they nutrition. They don't learn about nutrition. And it really all and stems that's the down from what you're thing. eating. The yes. class, yeast infection. He probably had the start of it, which started put by something he was eating uh -huh. or something that was in his diet, unbeknownst to anyone. And then they put the drugs into it to fix it, but that actually makes it worse without you knowing it. Right. And it breeds on itself. I mean, ah. And, you know, the main, the main, one of the main parts of his therapy was the diet. You know, we couldn't eat anything that yeast would feed off of. Can you imagine if everyone... And well, you know, Ate healthy. Oh my gosh, the Chinese medical, the Chinese nutrition therapy is so different from Western therapy, and it oh, is so interesting. interesting. It is so interesting. What's the difference? I'm just curious. Well, they they they, they give every food an energy. You know how jalapeno peppers are going to be hot, even if you eat them right out of the refrigerator. Yeah. So every food's got an energy. It's hot. It's cold. It's warm. It's neutral. It's you mm -hmm. know, it's got a flavor. Spicy, bitter. Sweet. Sweet. And, you know, the like the sweet taste strengthens digestion. The bitter taste down bears. So it helps with, you know, like constipation and oh. moving energy down. And, you know, the pungent taste draws things in. I mean, it's got... There's it, like... It, 
properties. Properties to each of them. them And you eat according to what's going on in your body. You know, you wake up constipated, you eat more bitter foods. You know, you wake up not, you wake up having the trots, you eat some astringent food. You know, it's, it's, (laughs) but it's just. It it can be that simple. Is that what you're saying? Yes. It It can can be be that that simple. simple. It does. And every time you turn on television, all you hear is they have come up with a new drug for a new set of symptoms that we all maybe have every now and then. Right. Right. But now you can say, oh, it's this. And if I take a pill, I won't have this anymore. But that's not really it. It's It's just covering it up. And now as it covers it up, it's like squeezing other bad things to happen in your body as your body's trying to deal with this foreign substance. Well, there's just no, you know, and what's really horrifying to me is when you look up any like functional medicine or anything like that in Wikipedia. Yeah. Because the, I mean, at least the last time I looked, the articles on functional medicine called it quackery, pseudoscience. Functional medicine is all, is looks for the root cause. That's what it does. That's its main goal is to look for the root cause and treat the root cause. What about that is quackery? What about that as pseudoscience? It seems to me that if you're not looking for the root cause, that's what's quackery. That's what's pseudoscience. It's the same thing in psychiatry and psychology. You can treat that one trauma, or do we go back to find out why you're reacting to the trauma in that way? Mm-hmm. You know, do we rewire what was wired funky for some reason? Well, I mean... It's the same thing. It's peeling the layers of the onion away. Mm-hmm. And we're just not willing to do that. We want a quick fix. Ugh. You know, we want a quick fix. And that's for a chronic illness, you don't get a quick fix. Right. And it you took can you take, a while to get there. Right. You can take five years and get over it and never have it again. Or well, you, you can, can take five around. years and take a bunch of things that don't treat it and still have it in 50 years. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Mm -hmm. or even manage your symptoms okay for a while. But so, Linda, how, I mean, now that I have my own grandchildren, now this is going to make me cry. (laughs) I couldn't even imagine one of them getting sick and dying. I just are going through what you all went through. How do you keep going? It's so tough. How do you stay positive? You're such a, a loving, caring person. Like you try, we're, we're trying to get in touch with you. You're like, let's meet up. Let's you like your energy is so it's like a hug. Right. So how do you keep that energy like that when you've been through something, just something so horrific? Well, I mean, I just have a lot of faith. Yeah. And I know that's what it is. That's what got us through all of that. You know, I love to say this, say that thing. I love that you said that in her book, and this could be a good this might be the title of the, oh. <laughs> of the episode that you had when you all didn't know how you were going to get through. And, you know, you brought the baby home and it took a while to get her to even be able to come home and the trials and tests and everything that had to happen for her to be able to be transported home. And your daughter is faithfully pumping. So while the, the pump breast pump is going and the sound of that, you also have the sound of the keyboards trying to come up with information. You said something about your faith and that 
I had asked you, how did you get through that time? Like every day, 24 hours a day, you were living this. You were in it. Yeah. Every cell of your body was in it. And you said, prayers. And then say what you said. Well, they did. The prayers, they kept us covered up. So the devil never knew we were in hell. Oh, my gosh. But we just got through it. The devil never knew we were in hell. That's huge. Mm -hmm. Oh, my gosh. And I, and I, I think that's what it was. I mean, I've had a lot of people say to me, it, it, like even my own sister-in-law, one of my college roommates, she's like, read the book and says, I had no idea that you were going but, through. Which we're going through. And, yeah. And they're like, I'm sorry I wasn't a better friend. I said, did you pray for us? Yeah. They said every day. I said, that's all we needed. That's what wow. we needed. That's what we needed. There's nothing you could have done anyway. It was COVID. You know? Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Talk about an inconvenient time. You couldn't come visit. You couldn't, you know, you did the best thing. You did the very best thing because we did. We stayed covered up in prayers, that's for sure. There were so many people praying for that baby and for us. You know, Shannon and Brian, too. You know, Brian gets neglected. Yeah, the dad gets the neglected. Dad. They always do, but they they're there, do, but and they, they keep the ship more, sailing. You know, we were all living together going yeah. through this. and But we did it, you know, and we even had times when we laughed and had fun. You know, it wasn't all a snot slinger. There were moments. There of were joy. moments. There were a lot of moments of joy, and you know we loved that baby. We, I loved her so much, mm. and her little and cousins I, loved her too. Oh, I know her little cousins did too. It's amazing. And, but I would, you know, would hold her and think, I have her. I have her right now. So that's about. That's all about being present. Lived right. in the moment. Yeah. Live in the moment. That, that's one thing I really learned from her is to live in the moment. Yeah. That's so huge. Because, you uh, know, you'd hold her and she, if she was, you know, content, which most of the time she was. She wasn't having a seizure. Here's a pretty content little child and just hold her and hug her and, you know, think, oh, God, this is the best moment. Mm. I have her right now and she's good, you know. So there was a lot of that. Do you ever feel her presence now? I don't too much. You don't? I mean, I see signs, things she does, like, you know, I... That peony, there was a peony that bloomed. I had just planted the peony, and it bloomed two days before the anniversary of her death. Oh, that's interesting. So there's been things like that that are have happened that are a little unusual that I know are her. Really? You know, but I haven't. I'm wanting her to come talk to me. <laughs> She's not come to talk to me yet. But I think she will. Mm -hmm. I think it takes time, they said. Mm -hmm. It takes a lot of time. Well, she went through a trauma herself, yeah. you know. She went through a huge trauma, so she's got kind of, her little soul has to heal, kind of regroup a little yeah. bit. <laughs> Probably. I mean, that's what you hear anyway. No matter how old her little soul was or is. Linda, how can people get this book right now? Well, it's on lulu.com, Lulu, L-U-L-U. Right now, and it's also available on Amazon. Mm -hmm. That's as far as I've gotten with that. I think well, you're doing this all yourself too. Yeah, and I don't, I don't know a whole lot about the publishing world. I've learned some, but I'm not very good at it. And well, right now, um, the name of the book is 510 Candles: The Illuminations of Nora Lorraine. I can't recommend this book enough. It's, it's Thank a, you. It's such I a great read. And there's it. some pictures in the back of the family. And you do you get welled up. 
but then you also laugh a little bit. It's just a good... Dad did try to tell some funny stories. <laughs> there are some funny <laughs> stories. But you're an amazing person, and I'm, I hope this time oh, it you. works, but I think we needed to wait. I think we needed to meet a couple times and talk through the story, and, and I think this is what was supposed to happen yeah. today. I do, too. Okay. Okay, thank you so thank much you. for having me on. Oh, my gosh. Really, you don't know how much now I we appreciate it. we are friends forever now. Yes, we are. Yes, we are. <laughs> and until next time, breathe in your second wind. Welcome, second wind. I am here with me, Wendy Charles McGuire. I just finished recording my 150th episode, right? Who would have thunk that? Certainly not my family. I don't think they thought I would go two and a half years into this and see the kind of success I have with, you know, even my husband was saying, how are you going to find people? Well, I never had a problem. And the people that I've had on this podcast have been just amazing. And I've learned so much from every single person. Now I have 150 new friends and my life is better for having these conversations with them. And there's been some common themes throughout is that every single person who's been on the podcast with me has always believed in a higher source. They've had faith in something. Not something I expected to hear, but it's, it was true, and it was definitely a common thread throughout. Another common thing was that we're all the same. No matter where these people came to me or how they came, whether they were famous or whatever step in life they were in, you know, I could be intimidated, you know, starstruck, all those things. But in the end, during our conversations, we're the same. And it was like talking to a friend every time, which just makes me go out in the world. And whoever I'm near, I can look at them and say, we have more in common than we don't. And I'm just going to talk to this person. And it always works out great. Another thing I want to leave you all with as I pause is that something I have learned that has been invaluable to my life from doing this podcast. Well, a couple things, but I can put it all in one sentence. Here it is. Ready? It's like when, when I ask people at the end of the podcast, what what keeps you going? What's your mantra? How do you stay moving in the right direction? Well, here's mine. Live with intention and integrity. Make every day purposeful, right? Don't sloth through your day. Figure out how to put a punctuation mark on it. And live without judgment or expectations. Hard to do but I've done it. I have to catch myself because sometimes my head will go to that, oh, well, that person's doing that or saying that or wearing that or driving that, right? Or going there. No, 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 don't, don't even go there. They are just like you. And living without expectations, 
about how something's going to happen, how the day is going to go, how things should be said, how you should feel. No, no expectations. What will be will be. And just being grateful for every day. So I will be back. Not sure how yet or with what, but it'll be good, whatever it is. And until next time, breathe in your second wind. Thank you for listening today. I hope that something you heard made you smile, made you think, and made you feel. If these incredible stories empowered you, awakened you, or left you feeling inspired, make sure to share with a friend and write us a review on iTunes so we can continue to change lives through this content. Make sure you tag us while you're listening on our Facebook group, My Second Wind, or hit the link in the show notes to join the conversation. Until next time, go ahead and breathe in your second wind.